Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the forum, the show where we learn more about Husker Nation one fan at a time by asking them the same four questions. I'm your host, Honky, and our guest tonight is the host and creator of Corn Crazed, the number one Nebraska football talk show on YouTube. His 17,000 plus subscribers tune in to hear his reactions as he analyzes all the Husker news, rumors, and updates year round. Welcome to the forum, Connor Hayden. Thanks for having me. It's my first time doing any type of show, I think, that isn't directly about football conversations. So when I saw it said something about fans and community, I thought, oh, this would be an interesting one to do. And we can talk about more of uh, my background as a Nebraska fan. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you talk about community, I think of what Corn Crazed is and the community that you've created there. It's really, it's impressive. And uh, we're going to get to that. Uh, when I reached out to you about a month or so back to to do this, I had mentioned to you, I was like, I'm almost embarrassed that I came across you as late as I didn't. And I loved your response. I wrote it down. So you don't need to be embarrassed. I'm still relatively new. I haven't done as much marketing on social media, but I appreciate the encouragement. I'm going to just keep trying to master my content. And I thought that was the coolest answer because it's it, the content is what really impressed me the first time I saw your, your show. It's not, it's not that the audio isn't great. It's great. It's not that the video isn't great. It's great. But the content and, and, I've done this for 450 shows now and it's a long time. So I, when I see some, another show and I'm impressed by the amount of time that's been put in to prep for it, it really, you know, it said something to me. And uh, I guess, so number one, I respect that. The other one is it. it made me think of football for a second. It made me think of coach rule and being 1% better every show every day. And uh, when I think about that, I mean, you kind of work on that. Do you try to be 1% better every show? Yeah. You know, I'm meticulous. I'm a psycho. So my background is in media and in content. So because I come from that world, I have a different perspective than a lot of people do. When I was looking initially at content that was Nebraska related, uh, I thought there was kind of a void for content, the type of content I do, which Mm -hmm. is, I would call it uh, jam packed into a short period of time. I would be able to get a bunch of information to you as quickly as possible so you could get on with your day. There were a lot of YouTube shows that you could listen to for an hour, but there wasn't one place you could go for a quick punch that would recap everything from the day Mm -hmm. or from the week or from a specific topic. So I thought, okay, how can I make that content as impactful as possible so that someone can sit through it, not not have it uh, be something where they feel like they're not getting to watch the entire piece because they have to fast forward through it, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, the point in all of that is when I thought about my background in media, It's like, okay, how can I take all of my skills and everything I've done in the past, helping people build their Instagrams and their YouTubes and teaching them how to speak on camera and write their content, scripting, essentially. How can I uh, bring that to the sports world and more specifically the Nebraska world, something I'm really passionate about. And I think because I came into making this, you know, Nebraska content professional, I guess we'll call it. Mm -hmm. It's always made me want to figure out how I can make it 
more professional, how I can look more like not bar stool. That's not the right because there's a little goofy, but you know, ESPN like, and I don't want to ever be the ESPN guy. I like being in my bedroom. I like making this feel like you're talking to me and hanging out with me. Not like I'm a guy in a suit who's a talking head for a network. I want you to feel like my, you know, opinions are my own and I'm just kind of free flowing. I'm, I'm one of the fans. I'm one of you, right. When you listen Mm -hmm. to me and we hang out. So I always want to make sure that I'm resonating with my audience and resonating with the people who are like me, diehard fans, but also making sure that the content lives up to my expectations for what content should be and what I've always tried to perform or tried to uh, build up to make it an impactful performance for the viewer. Hmm. Well, uh, I love the passion that you have, and, and let's get to that passion. But before we do, I do want to show a couple of our up- some upcoming episodes here. Uh, we have some fan forms next Tuesday, March 28th at 8 p.m. We'll have Red Cast Sarah on. Uh, the following Monday, April 3rd at 2 p.m., we have Adam Carricker throwing the bones. And then uh, Brandon Cavanaugh, Wednesday, April 5th at 9 p.m., Husker football analyst with Athlon Sports. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Well, let's get to the form. And what is the form? It's the same four questions. Why are you a Husker fan? What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Who are your all-time favorite Huskers? And how do you think the Huskers will do next year? And let's just get to question number one here, Connor. Why are you a Husker fan? So the basic answer is my family, right? But I've got two sides of the family. So I've got my dad who went to USC. He wasn't a big football fan. He's a sports fan and always has been my whole life. But he wasn't drilling USC football in since birth. I was born in 93. So USC was kind of on the downswing from then until the early 2000s. So I don't think my dad was that engaged with them. Then I had the other side, which was my mom's side of the family, my grandpa, my uncle, they're all from Nebraska. My grandpa, I think he was living in Omaha before he moved to California. And then I think it was probably 10 years old, he moved back to Shadron. So when I was around 10, I would go to Shadron two times a year for two weeks at a time or more than that. And I think that the vibe of Nebraska obviously kind of got ingrained in me being around Nebraska fans and my uncle and my grandpa and my mom, obviously that impacted me. And I, I think that the best way to say it is Nebraska was a part of my identity from a really early age. I was given a bunch of Nebraska gear and Nebraska gifts growing up. Right. So it's all I ever saw. And when I started to come to say I'm seven or eight years old, I'm going to school and all I'm wearing is red. Every day I have a Nebraska Mm -hmm. hat on people at school were calling me Nebraska. And it was, (laughs) uh, it was what people knew me for because I grew up in Southern California in orange County. And I was the only person who was a Nebraska fan at my school. Right. And so that was all I knew and it was all I thought about. And because it became a part of my identity, it was so dialed into me. It was all I thought about every single waking moment. So yeah. what, like, give me a time frame. What, what, what were those first couple formative years that you had uh, where you were really becoming Nebraska, so to speak, out there? So I remember going to Nebraska games and going to Lincoln. My uncle was, was doing his, he was getting his doctorate at Nebraska, what, in like 2000 around 2000, 2001. So Mm -hmm. my first memories going to football games where I think my very first football game period was Troy at Nebraska in like 2001. I 
think that's my very first ever game. I remember getting my my mom getting my cousin Jansen and I. Jansen works at Rivals now. He just graduated from Nebraska. But uh-huh. she had gotten my cousin Jansen and I matching Nebraska outfits for that game. And then we went with my uncle and my grandpa. And then we went to Runza afterwards. And I just remember those being my first memories where I was really dialed in with Nebraska football. And I was starting to pay attention to it. I was probably seven years mm-hmm. old. And then you go to 2004. I remember I was with my grandpa around Thanksgiving and we went to the Colorado Nebraska game in Lincoln. I remember mm-hmm. Nebraska lost that game, but Oh, the national championship. I remember yeah, this. that's out there in the Rose bowl. I remember this. So I was at my grandparents' house and it was my whole family. And my dad had gotten tickets for my uncle and my grandpa to go to the Rose bowl. And I was whatever, eight years old. And I remember crying because I didn't get to go. I was so upset that I wasn't going to that game. And that night I had stayed at my grandpa's house with my cousin while uh, my uncle and grandpa went to the game and they brought us back footballs and the programs and all that. So those are my first memories really of being dialed in with Nebraska. Obviously we were watching it every game or watching it at my grandpa's house or whatever, every game. But I, I think some games were on pay-per-view. Nebraska would pay, play Baylor. It was on mm-hmm. pay-per-view. So my dad wouldn't let us watch it at the house. There's moments like that that get brought back up. Mm-hmm. You know, that Troy game you were at, I was uh... – 23 years old at the time. And it's one of the, a couple of games I had at that time where we had press passes for it. Cause okay. I, I started up a website then huskerchronicles.com that uh, went for a few years. And that was in the you know early years of the, of the Husker interweb where you, it's almost kind of what today is with podcasts and even yeah. video casts on, on, uh, on YouTube where it's the wild west. There'd be thousands of, of sites, but only a couple of decent ones there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we we got to the point where we were able to get some press passes and go in there for a couple of games. So I got to watch one of them up there, and one of them was Troy. So that was That's your first game at Memorial Stadium, huh? That was my very first one. Wow. I remember on that trip, we had we had done a walk around the stadium, and we had been looking through the, kind of the fence. I know mm. there's a picture of me with my cousin that's kind of sitting next to that fence, looking into the stadium, went to the bookstore. I have so many memories of Nebraska stuff and Nebraska memorabilia because growing up, my grandpa, that was what I wanted. And that's what he would always get me. In Scott's Bluff, there was this Nebraska store. And every time we go to Shadron, we'd drive down to Scott's Bluff because I wanted to go to that Nebraska store. I'd get Nebraska Legos, Nebraska posters. There was this old school Nebraska video. It was a VHS and it was a bat. I don't remember what it was, but it was almost like a documentary of the championship season in 95. I think that's what it was. I've watched that video a hundred times. Haven't seen it Mm. since I was like 12 years old, but I remember picking that up. Reflection of perfection. I think it was probably reflect. That's a very familiar name. (laughs) Yeah. There's there's unfinished business or finished business, whatever they did uh after 94. And then reflection of perfection was the 95 perfect season. That sounds familiar. So it might've been that. And then (laughs) my grandparents had a basement in Shadron and the whole basement was almost like a playroom. So it was all Nebraska stuff. Right. Uh, some other things my grandpa had gotten me that I had loved that are all coming back to me right now. I don't think about these obviously on the daily, but now that we're talking about it, I was a big Maurice Purify fan. That oh, must yeah. have been when I was uh, seventh, eighth grade. And I have a picture of Maurice Purify going up for a ball against Colorado and it's autographed. I loved him. Uh, Danny Woodhead, that's another, it's tied to Nebraska. So Danny Woodhead went to Shadron State. Yep. I didn't get to go to any of his games, but we'd always be up at the college and then because I would be, uh, I would have my own football games then. I wasn't going back to Nebraska there in September, October. Anyway, Danny Wood had had a signing at that Walmart, and my grandpa went over there with a football and a picture and got him to sign both of them, sent them back to me, and I still have those in my bedroom now. So pretty cool. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, you know, you may be answering part of question two here, but uh, question two is what is your favorite Husker football me- fan memory? Now, you've mentioned, you know, going out to Shattering and Scott's Bluff yeah. and going to Troy games. Uh, what else? So I've been really lucky because my dad, I told you he's a USC fan, right? So mm-hmm. when USC got good again, my dad started paying attention to him. So that's 2002, 2003. I was nine, 10 years old and it became kind of a hobby for my dad and I to go to games. So through work, he had season tickets. So we'd always go to SC games and then that transitioned to us traveling to football games. So my dad and I kind of have this tradition now. He's 62 now, but he's still going strong. So we go to games, but every single year we go to at least one college football game, at least sometimes two, uh, we throw in NFL games in there. We go to other things too, basketball, baseball, but our main thing is football. Mm-hmm. So I've actually gotten to go with, with my dad to Michigan in, I think, 2010. I was a senior in high school. Uh, I went down. They had the little tunnel for Michigan, and Levante David was my favorite player at the time. Obviously, he was the best player on the team. I got to walk down there and smack hands with Levante, which I thought was so cool. That was a great memory. Uh, We went to Wisconsin for the Melvin Gordon game, which obviously that was uh, punishing, but it was a good experience because Wisconsin fans were so cool. They're throwing me beers and everything. I was Mm -hmm. like 21, so it was awesome. Uh, Wisconsin was great. Penn State, uh, Nebraska won in overtime. That was probably 2012. They kicked the field goal to win. That was great. So I've had Mm -hmm. a lot of good memories with him. But a solo memory that I remember, and this is one I will uh, forever cherish. I was with my best friend from high school. His name's Tyler. We were on this road trip. We were like 22. Not a road trip. It was a regular trip, but it turned into a little road trip because Nebraska had just lost to Purdue in 2015. We were going to be in Lawrence, Kansas, visiting one of his friends. We were on this like month-long trip visiting a bunch of college campuses, just partying. Mm -hmm. So we found out Nebraska was going to play Michigan State. Michigan State was obviously a top 10 team at the time. So we rented a car in Lawrence, drove up to Lincoln. This is his first ever Nebraska game. And I think my first Nebraska home game as an adult. Yeah, it was. My my only other Nebraska game before then had been 2004 for Colorado. So we go to this game, and it was a fantastic experience, obviously, because we lost our voices. Nebraska ended up winning. We're filming it all. It was incredible. And then after that, we ended up on Tinder, finding a bunch of girls, going to <laughs> bars. They had a party at their house. We got to meet all these other kids who went to Nebraska. And obviously, that was a really cool moment for me because I had never had any friends who liked Nebraska or cared about Nebraska. So the only people who I had talked about uh, Nebraska football with was my dad, my family, or older guys who would see me wearing Nebraska stuff out in public. No kids would ever talk about it. So in that moment, I got to talk to other 20-year-olds who liked it as much as I did, which I thought was the coolest thing. And I think part of that, ex- or part of the reason that I want to start Corn Craze was because of that experience. I enjoyed so much having those conversations with other people who were my age. That I thought, what if I could find other people my age who I could talk to about mm-hmm. that? And uh, that's part of the reason I started the Corn Crazed brand originally. Well, so. let's talk about Corn Craze. Before we get to, to question three, then tell us, you know, you've given us a little bit of the history of you as a Husker fan, but how about what is Corn Crazed? How did you get it going? Obviously, how did you get it created to where it is the number one uh, YouTube show right now for Husker football? It's it's very impressive. Again, Redcasters, if you haven't come across it, 
you should. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. So very simply, I was in a, a low point. I live in Hollywood. So I was working in uh, media and I was working with a urban media, Instagram and YouTube account. And it's not really my demographic. It's more like celebrity drama, female based drama. So not my, not my deal, but I enjoyed the whole process of meeting all these celebrities and traveling around. I mean, I got some great experiences out of it. I was traveling with Floyd Mayweather. I got to do a bunch of stuff, marketing around his fight against Floyd or against Conor McGregor. I was in his house for that. I've done a bunch of things with him, Cardi B. Anyway, being around all these celebrities was the fun part, but doing the actual work and the day-to-day wasn't that exciting to me. So I remember thinking to myself, what can I do to get out of my, we'll call it a rut, because it did feel like a little mini depression. It's like, what can I do to start something creatively that's mine, that I'm passionate about, and that I can invest into in my free time? And I was like, okay, well, Scott Frost just got hired. Nebraska's coming off this great 2018 season. Ah, Relatively great. They're coming off this season and there was so much hype going into 2019. You had Adrian, who was a potential Heisman candidate, or I think he was a Heisman candidate. Nebraska was ranked in the top 25. There was just a lot of promise. So I called my cousin. I was like, you know, I think I need to start a Nebraska Instagram page. That's something I can invest a lot of time into and I'll just see where it goes. But it's something I can get excited about because my work life was uninspiring to me at that point. So I start this Instagram page and I think I ran it for about a year before I ever posted a video of myself or anything that was my opinion where someone could see my face. And when I did finally post my face, people were like, yo, I need more of this. And most of my followers were high school kids. There were some adults, but it was mostly high school kids. So I was like, okay, I'll post some little video clips on here, almost like reels. So this is back in 2020. I think I made a video talking about Matt Lubick and what the Matt Lubick hire meant to Nebraska. It was a one minute video. And a lot of people liked that video. So I said, okay, well, maybe I can throw something up on the YouTube channel. So I start this YouTube channel. I don't remember what the very first video was, but one of the first three was a conversation around whether it would be Adrian or Luke to be the starting quarterback. And that video took off. It was just video clips. It was no no face. It was just an audio voiceover with video clips of Luke and Adrian and me talking about which one deserved the starting job. Oh, it was why Luke McCaffrey will win the starting job at Nebraska. That's exactly what it was. Anyway, uh, I made that video. It hit 13,000 views. And I thought, okay, well, if I can hit 13,000 views on a video, what if I can replicate that? This sounds like a good idea for the corn craze brand. I can get a lot more reach than I'm getting on Instagram currently because Instagram had 2000 followers and I'd get, you know, 50 comments on a picture and I'd have hundreds of likes, but it wasn't growing as fast as I would want it to. I needed to have a personality and a brand out there. So I just started creating a lot of YouTube content. And then, uh, I think it was averaging like three to 5,000 views a video. And I decided to print off stickers and of the corn craze logo. I mean, you guys know what it is. It's this. I made a bunch of these on sticker mule and I told everybody who was watching the videos or I think I told everyone on Instagram or something. If you subscribe to the channel and send me a screenshot that you're subscribed, I'll send you one of these stickers. I went from 200 subscribers to a thousand subscribers in two weeks, just sending off these stickers that I bought. It cost me, you know, $50 or something, which was fantastic. (laughs) So from there I had say two, 3000 subscribers in 2020. I had started making content during that season Obviously, things were a little bit screwed up since it wasn't a full season, but because I enjoyed the process, I wanted to kind of take it more seriously. In 2021, I left the company I was at and I said, I'm just going to consult. I'm going to do 
brand and digital media consultations for influencers I know. And then on the side, I'm going to run Corn Craze with the ultimate goal being to build a YouTube career, essentially. I didn't know if it was going to be Corn Craze. I didn't know if it was going to be college football. I just knew I wanted to make money doing something that wasn't the job I had before. So I leave that company. Uh, I start working with this NBA player and his wife. I'm traveling around the country with them, around the world with them. It was great. But right when we get to football season, I told both of them, hey, I'm going to be able to help you guys. We can text, but I cannot travel. I got to focus on this YouTube deal. And they both understood. They were very cool about that. And in my first year on YouTube, uh, I made enough money to cover my rent, a little more. And I realized that I could take this seriously. And now we're here. I just uh, focused for two seasons, essentially, where I didn't work on anything except for the YouTube channel. And it's gotten to 17,000 subscribers. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, that's it's a, it, it's a great story, too, of having something that you're passionate about, chasing the passion and not being afraid to just go and do it. Um, you know, I, I think that's a lot of us that care about this program. You know, we want to do shows and everything, but I, to have the vision that you have and, and the, to, to go through with it, I think is awesome. I want to ask a question here to you. This is something that I, I posted to our social media here the other day, and it's talking about what kind of fan we are. And it was Husker fans. Do you consider yourself to be an optimist, a realist, 50-50 or changes by day? And the reason I asked this and I ask it with you is one of the last shows I was watching of yours, You, it was right after the signing class. Mm-hmm. And you had talked about um, Coach Rule. You were really impressed with the, the class that he brought in. And what was cool is you showed excitement. It wasn't you, you didn't you don't hold back. You're not it's not this, uh, you know, Debbie Downer, you know, realist, pessimist, everything. But at the same token, you were also like, but I, I had legit questions when we hired Rule that we, you know, he can't just bring in Temple and Baylor players and, and only be a developmental program. So there's mm-hmm. got to be a little bit of a mix of both. And you showed that that happiness that came with some really good players that we brought in this class, the ability to go out there and bring some top, top-notch guys in to, to retain a Malachi Coleman right out of Lincoln, all of that, while also wanting to be that development program. It was that little bit of pessimism, a little bit of optimism all at right. the same time. Those are the fans that are, to me, the most interesting ones to talk with. It's the ones that I like to talk with. And it's one of the first reasons why I wanted to bring you onto the show too. So I'm curious, like, how do you, you know, label yourself or do you even try to label yourself are you optimist? Are you realist? Are you both? How would you, how would you call yeah. it? I haven't thought too much into that. I would say I'm very logical as a person. I don't make mm-hmm. decisions emotionally. Re- I mean, I do, but very rarely. So most of my takes are logical takes. Uh, I throw some emotion in there because it's exciting to talk with other people who are passionate about what I love. But I would say most of my content is as close to realistic as possible, but I've got to throw some optimism in there because if I'm not being somewhat optimistic, uh, what's the point? It's not fun. Mm-hmm. The fun in life is being optimistic. It's having hope, right? I want to have hope about everything I do. If I don't wake up today with hope about whatever it is, not even Nebraska football, what's the reason I'm getting up in the morning? What's the reason I'm doing anything? What's the reason I'm going to watch Nebraska football if I don't believe there's a chance, right? I think I think I would say I'm a – did you have a 50-50 option? Yeah, there's a 50-50 option there. I think you can say I'm a little bit of a 50-50 option. Uh, I'm an optimist. I'm a realist. I'm logical at the end of the day. So because I'm logical, I think that forces some realism. But ultimately, for for the sake of the channel and for the sake of my heart, I'm an optimist. Well, and, and you're a fan, and that's what this show is. And what is fan short for? It's fanatic. I mean, it brings it brings the craziness out of a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of the craziness out of all of us. I think about that like – We've had people say we should live stream a show, you know, during a football game. I'm like, no, yeah. not at all. I can't, I can't control myself during a game, right. let alone 
anything else. There, have but... you watched my post game reactions? I don't. I mean, you haven't found you I'll found the channel you. late. If you watch some of my post game reactions, uh, you'll get the most emotional side of me. I've mm-hmm. had, I've had some yelling moments. I mean, people, it's hot. The mic gets hot. It gets loud. I, I am. Um, I told people this is not a kids show on a live stream. I try <laughs> to keep it, you know, calm on my regular show because everyone watches that. But after a game, I open up. It's me. You get the raw, unfiltered Connor after I see that display, whether it's good or bad. So yeah, I would check out the uh, Indiana post game or the Rutgers post game. I got pretty emotional in both of those. So mm, I'll have to. We we do a rapid reaction, but quite honestly, we haven't been doing very many because it just. I don't think we could put the show together that we want to. Probably the show that honestly the fans would love to to watch, but it's not the ones that I want to do at that. You point. know what I realize is people want to watch the raw reaction. So yeah. forever I was putting post game analysis out there, and it was good. I liked the post game analysis show because it would give you a breakdown of what happened, why it happened, how Nebraska could make things better going forward. But the truth is, what people really wanted was to see themselves they wanted to see someone yell at the freaking screen the same way they were yelling at the screen the entire time hmm. no and that's that's true we've had plenty of those moments over the uh last five years to be doing that <laughs> yeah. too we started this podcast in april 2017 the spring right wow. after the final bowl game so and we did it primarily to be a football show and then also do some men's basketball and some baseball and uh it has not been a glorious time on the field but we always try to find a little bit of the positives when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to question number three here. Who are your all-time favorite Huskers? Okay. So my number one on this list has to be Chris Kelsey. So my grandpa, when I was however old, bought me a Chris Kelsey autograph card. And then I think he got me a Chris Kelsey jersey, a number 57, a white one. So that number 57 resonated resonated with me for whatever reason. And I remember throughout Pop Warner, from second grade through eighth grade, I was wearing number 57 because of Chris Kelsey. And I loved looking mm-hmm. at that picture. And I don't remember many games with him playing. I obviously, I've gone back and looked at highlights, so I remember. But back then, I don't remember really watching. It was more so just the fact that I had the jersey and I had the autograph. And I just loved that guy for what my grandpa kind of opened my eyes to, right? Which was Nebraska football playing defense. And I played defense all throughout that time. Uh, if I thought about a player who, who I really loved watching, Levante David's up there. Mm. Um, I loved all those DBs back in the Bo Pelini days, Eric Hag. You know, the Nebraska, or not Nebraska, the NCAA football games. I was, mm. I loved playing those. I'm not sure if you played those or because you're a little older than I am. Yeah, when I was, it was in high more school. like the Bill Walsh games from like the 90s. Yeah. Right. So when I was in high school, school they, had the, <laughs> um, they had the Xbox, obviously. So the graphics were mm. a little better. And I would play with a nickel package and I'd have all those DBs, Alfonso Dennard. Um, Eric Hag, Prince of Mucamara, Larry Asante. There were a bunch of them who were all Johnny studs. Gomes, I remember, all guys, yeah. yeah, for all those three, four years when Pelini had great DBs, I remember playing with them. So I love all those guys. Um, on offense, I always loved dual threat quarterbacks. And so I had a hard time when Nebraska switched up from Jamal Lord. I remember thinking to myself, what are they doing? I like Joe Gans. He was cool. 
Um, mm-hmm. Zach Taylor was kind of whatever to me um, at the time, obviously, because I was like watching dual threat quarterbacks. And when Nebraska went back to Taylor Martinez, I got really excited. So I loved watching Taylor Martinez. He was a favorite. But yeah, I mean, there's so many guys, right? Amir Abdullah. I remember I went to, or not scope out, I went to uh, hang out with Nebraska players at their hotel when they were playing against UCLA. I was probably 18. So my friend and I went up to the hotel. I brought a Nebraska hat with me. I had Cameron Meredith. Uh, who else was there? Damian Stafford, Amir Abdullah. There are a bunch of guys. Jamal Turner, I think. I don't know. I got a bunch of guys to sign my hat, and I got to hang out with all those guys at the hotel before the UCLA game. So there's been a lot of players I've had a little bit of a connection with where I've really enjoyed watching them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned Zach Taylor. That I, I would go to coaches' clinics at UNL in the spring since from the last year of Solich all the way to the, to, uh, the Frost era. So you go to a yeah. practice during spring ball and everything. And I was there, I watched a 200-play scrimmage where Zach Taylor won the position, the starting position away from Joe Daly. Wow. A 200-play, no green jerseys. You, if, if anyone listens to the Redcast long enough, you're going to hear me say, take the <laughs> green jerseys off and let the guys play sometimes. That's some of the things. You know what? I'm just going to get the question for her because I think this leads right into it. How do you think the Huskers will do this year? But it's the thing I love about what Coach Rule is bringing. It's, it's this old-school kind of – vibe of we're going to get physical we're going to we're going to hit we're going to have fullbacks we're going to do all those things but we're also going to do it sensibly we're going to do it in a a 2023 kind of way and we got to play with the inner you know with the you know transfer portal nil all that so it's a little bit old school a little bit of new school but uh, i want to get your thoughts what are your thoughts here going into next season so this is where we have that conversation of uh optimist versus realist right Mm -hmm. the optimist in me made a video uh, two months ago, where I said, here's my way too early schedule prediction. And I broke down every team that Nebraska plays against. And when you look back at what Nebraska was last year, Nebraska had what they were last year and what they're bringing in this year, uh, including the coaching staff and all these transfer players who can play right away. Nebraska has the potential to beat eight of these teams on their schedule. Will they is a tougher question because how much better will the line be? Both sides, the offense and the defensive line. Uh, how accurate will their uh, their quarterbacks be? Is this going to be a turnover-prone team? There are so many questions, and that's where the realist comes back. Nebraska can beat eight of these teams because there aren't eight really good teams on the schedule. There are three good teams on the schedule. The rest are decent, in my opinion. So because they're decent, it's hard for me to say Nebraska is only a six-win team because I see so much potential. But the reality is, Right now, Nebraska is going to win six of those games in my head. The realist in me is saying that. Mm -hmm. So as of today, I'm saying six with a ceiling of eight. And anything can happen because we don't know what the the starting lineup is going to look like. We still don't know how the defense is going to project. There are so many question marks still. But ultimately, I hope that Nebraska can come away with just getting to a bowl game. Because if you just get that spark and momentum back, I think the entire fan base is already bought in enough to this process. They're bought in enough to the idea that Matt rule isn't going to turn this around tomorrow. And it doesn't take him turning it around tomorrow to build the right class for the future. Right. We've seen all these recruits who Nebraska is going to bring in on a Friday, Saturday. Well, if Nebraska can land, I want to say some ridiculous number like half, but if Nebraska can land a quarter of them, get six or seven of these guys, sprinkle in a couple, four stars, maybe bring in the big one. There's a lot of hope going forward. And fans would be very happy with six wins this year, just knowing that someone's got the the program back on track, back into being, you know, serviceable, not just being a Mm. train wreck that we all have to watch every single year. Well, and that's certainly has been what it has been. 
your dad, you said, was a USC fan. And I think of what the turnaround that Pete Carroll did there. And yet it wasn't instantaneous. They lost to K-State two years in a row in the early years. You know, people forget that Nick Saban went 6-6 six and six in his first season at Alabama, lost to Louisiana Monroe at the end of the, the, the year. Uh, Louisiana Monroe put it up on their on a billboard that Alabama had to drive by on the way back home. So, uh, you know, a 6-6 six and six season by no means should be poo-pooed around here at all. Uh, what I would say is, and what I've been saying this offseason, to me it's the race to six. And that means I think it's important to get to that bowl game. I think that's an important minimum. Not that uh, not that if we only win five, that, that rule has failed. But I think it's important to show some early success. And right now, success is that getting to six. Now, I'm not saying six and six. I don't put a, I'm not going to put a ceiling on this program. I never will. Yeah. But if it takes us six weeks to, to win six games, awesome, right? Hey, we're six and oh, and, you know, we'll revamp our, uh, our expectations then. Or if we're sitting at five and six and, and we're playing Iowa, then get the win, beat Iowa at home, and let's get to a bowl game. Getting to that bowl game uh, for the first time in the history of the Redcast, I can tell you that, that would be a big deal. And certainly for this program, it's a big deal. to that. There's some tangible evidence at that point that a change is happening. But yep. you know, I don't think we're in the worst situation we've ever been in the history of Husker football to, to start with. Uh, you know, We've played a lot of competitive games over the last few years, but we found every conceivable way to lose them. And I think that's the the task to, to uh, rule there is figure out ways not to lose those games by maddening one score losses time and time again. Well, here's a question then. Mm-hmm. What's a failure of a season? Well, I right away, I mean, just using the metrics I just said, not making a bowl game. I mean, that was something that was a pretty big deal that, that we did here for a long time. From 1962 to 2003, making a bowl game was the expectation. In fact, really winning nine games was an expectation. Yeah. Again, I'm not throwing that expectation out there, but getting to a, a bowl game, you know, why we almost get to a point as a fan base because we've been beaten down, right? Why can't we make a bowl game? Why, why is that such a big deal anymore? I mean, in fact, everyone, everyone, their dog makes one and we haven't. And it's because, and if I said we're going to win 10 games next year, I don't necessarily look at 10 teams and say we can't beat these 10. Every year we do a thing before the season starts where we go game by game and we have Twitter polls and we get tens of thousands of of Twitter votes on it. And it's game by game. What's Nebraska going to do? And almost every single year we go 10 and two or 11 and one in those votes because you ask and you'd ask a fan, they would say, we're going to go six and six. We're going seven, five. No way Mm -hmm. we're doing better than that. Then you ask them to break it down at a game by game level and they can't do it. They just can't. It's not Colorado is not going to be the one that beats us. Right. It can't be Minnesota. It can't. Okay, fine. I'll give you Wisconsin. I'll give you Michigan. But the other 10, screw it. We're beating them. We're beating them all. And uh, I get guilty of that all the time, too. I'm going to be honest with you. If Nebraska doesn't win six games, I'm going to be feeling some type of way this year. I don't think it's going to be the ultimate momentum killer, Mm. but I do think it's going to hurt a little bit in recruiting which means it might take a little bit longer to get back built to be in that perennial nine-win team. Uh, I think if Nebraska hits four or three, it's going to be really brutal for the fans. And I, you think back to 2020, or 2000, what was it, 21, when there was a lot of hype because you had the defense coming back. You had JoJo Doman hyping everybody up, and we believed that they were going to be a force. The defense was a force, but the other half didn't come together because of that Nebraska didn't live up to any expectation because every expectation we uh, we uh, set along the way 
never came true. It was like, we thought we could get to six wins that year to start. And then after every single week losing by one point, we thought, okay, well, it can't be this bad the entire way. And then we lose by one score all the way out. And then you had last year and there was so much hype with this new staff, all of the transfers and how the point is how much more can the fan base take three or four wins? I just, I think that would be bone crunching for the fans, knowing how much potential this team has and take away the team's potential. Look at the schedule. This is again, a very weak schedule and they've got to beat some of these shitty teams. Well, and I think that's part of is that, when you, when we've lost, you know, I hear people say, well, you're in the big 10 and the big 10 is, is that's why we've lost games. Well, bullshit. We've lost to Troy and we've lost to Northern Illinois. Right. And we've, we got, we got swept by a Colorado team that I was out there at the Colorado game where 35,000 of us in red or yeah. in gold and we're up 17, nothing and a half. Right. I mean, we found every conceivable way to lose games that you shouldn't lose. One of the things that it, it's in addition to defense play, you know, defense did great a couple of years ago. Often struggled, but how about special teams being so poor, losing so many games? You can't count on – I was at the Oklahoma game in 01 where we miss a 30-yard field goal from the middle of the field. We we get an extra point blocked and return for two points. That's a six-point swing in a seven-point game. Before right. the first play of the game, we have two pre-snap penalties, and Adrian Martinez isn't touching the ball until it's first and 20. And you just sit there, mm. and you pull your hair out. And 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 in the, the COVID year of 2020 – Against Northwestern, we have five offensive linemen have five penalties in the first half. You can't win football game. That's just bad football, and you're going to lose in the Big Ten. You're going to lose in the MAC. You're going to lose playing in Colorado. You're going to just lose games. It's losing football, and that's almost the thing that I would be disappointed. To go back to your question about what would be really, what would I be disappointed in if the culture of of just losing and that mentality can't get flipped by rule? Which, by the way, I would be shocked at this point if it's not. He is, I agree. If there's one strength that that guy has immediately, it is getting you to want to run through a wall for mm-hmm. the dude. And and he has the son of a preacher kind of prophecy that he brings with him. I mean, he he knows how to get people connected. And I'll I'll make one other statement that I want to hear from you here. This reminds me. Well, it doesn't remind me personally. I wasn't alive then. But everything I've read about when Devaney got here after 20 years of losing bad football for 20 years, lots of coaches they went through. When Devaney got here before he even coached a game, he spent the entire first offseason going across the state, getting people to support him, going up to Shatter and going to Valentine, going all over the place and just saying it's important that we get Nebraskans to, to follow us. But he also kind of highlighted a game on that schedule early. It was at Michigan. It, was, it wasn't a very good Michigan team. That's the state that uh, Devaney was from was Michigan. And they went down to the big house and they beat Michigan in, in week two. And it was this game that kind of gave the team confidence. It was the game. It was the game that gave the fans confidence. Oh my gosh, we may actually get something turned around. Right. When I think this season, Minnesota in Week One, it actually kind of is that game a little bit to me. It's a, it's a road game. It's a Thursday night game. It's in August. I mean, the last two Augusts, we haven't got out of the, the month without the season ruined already. And the idea that we could go down there beat Fleck, which would be just wonderful for Husker fans. But and I don't think it's an unbeatable Minnesota team, and they've had their own offseason of of hell right now, losing coaches and losing players. I look at that game as that that's a it's a big moment if we can go in yeah. there and come out with a W. I would say that's a game Nebraska should win. So mm-hmm. 
when I watch that, I'm going to be watching for, is this a game where Nebraska competes the way they did last year in the first half, or is it a second half performance? Because last year's first half against Minnesota was exactly what I would have expected against Minnesota the last two years. Mm-hmm. But I think most of us would have. The first half was fantastic. They ran the ball well. The game management was good. The defense played solid. The second half was such an embarrassing, just the whole thing was just embarrassing, the performance. If Nebraska has that second half kind of vibe against Minnesota this second time, yeah, it's going to be hard for me to have a lot of faith that this team can win more than six this year. Mm -hmm. But if Nebraska comes out, keeps it within, I don't want to say three, let's say seven. If Nebraska keeps it within one score at all, I'm going to feel good that even though Rule couldn't win the first one, let's say, I'm going to feel good that he's got this team back on the right track. And I'm not going to say that he needs to win his first game against a coach who's been at Minnesota for seven years, returns his quarterback, brings in a really solid running back, obviously has a bunch of guys on defense returning. There's a lot working against Matt Rule in this situation because it's a road game against a solid team with a lot of experience. But uh, I do have a lot of hope that if Nebraska was to win that game, it could set Nebraska up for the more uh, the more exciting season that we're hoping for. Eight well, minutes, let's bring like that. Opti- yeah, let's bring the optimistic side of this. Uh, you know, let's put our, our our happy hats on for a second. We we beat Minnesota, and we beat them by one. We beat them by ten. I don't, I don't really care the difference, yeah. but we beat them. Now, how does that change? Whether it's expectations or your perspective, how does that start to change it? Yeah, going into too. Instant. So if Nebraska beats Minnesota, that's an eight win football team. And there's no question mm-hmm. I will be riding high on them because they're going to win their next three. Colorado's going to be okay this year. I think Colorado has a chance to win six. I don't think they're going to, but I think they have a chance to. They have a lot of talent and they have good coaches, right? And they play in the Pac 12. There are some weak teams on their schedule. Anyway, Nebraska's going to beat Colorado. They're going to win those next two games. And then you have Michigan, who we'll call it a loss. But after that, their most challenging games are Iowa, Wisconsin, and I think Illinois. Every other game on there is winnable. And by the way, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois are all beatable teams. Nebraska has a real shot to make a serious bowl game, not a not a guaranteed rate bowl to make, you know, holiday mm. bowl level. I don't know what the holiday bowl equivalent is now. Is it one of the Florida bowls? But anyway, um, yeah, I would say if Nebraska can beat Minnesota, eight wins is my new expectation. Yeah, well, and just getting off to that good start. It's the thing that Frost talked about forever. We just need momentum. We need momentum. And whether it was lightning strikes against that, you know, Akron or you know, just baffling play calls against Illinois two years ago, we were at the always Illinois something game. to make the team believe. Or I don't know if it was the fan base, the team, something always held them back from crossing the next step. Yes. And when you start off 0-6 in, in year one, this isn't I don't want to turn this into a bash frost thing. Yeah. I had all the expectations and all the I there'd be nothing I'd be happier than right now to be talking with you about. Frost going into year six and and having won countless titles already, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's who didn't want the the golden child coming home to have all the success, but it just didn't happen. And for him, it didn't happen quickly to go 0-6. Now, we were more competitive, but you're still 0-6. And it's one of the reasons why I think it's so important for Coach Rule to be able to, to demonstrate some of that success early on, that the changes he's making – we're starting to see on the field in smarter play, not giving up 10 nothing leads against Minnesota at half, not giving up a double-digit lead against Wisconsin in the fourth quarter, making the 30-yard field goal, kicking the 10-yard field goal against Michigan when we drive down. And, and, you know, that Michigan game two years ago, people still talk about 
Martinez fumbling at the end, but what about us not kicking a field goal when we drive down the field and have a chance to be the first team to take a lead on Michigan that whole season? There's just situational football times where getting ahead of a team that hasn't been down, that's a, you know, that it puts stress under them. And we've seen what Nebraska looks like under stress. Let's put other teams under stress. Yeah. I'm hoping that Matt rule has a little bit more of that uh, game management, I guess we'll say than Scott Mm -hmm. Frost did because Scott Frost game management was awkward at times. You talked about like the Xbox game. If you had, you know, the coaches and, and it said, you know, coaching ability, game management, yeah. this and this, what would Frost be for game management? I mean, he was the worst in the Big Ten because there were always so many questionable moments, right? The mm-hmm. the field goal with Michigan was a great example. The onside kick was a great example against Northwestern. Um, and I'm sure there were a bunch of times when he was I, – I know there were a bunch of times when he wasn't running the ball as much as he should have been, right? It, it was less less game management and overall offensive scheme, I guess we can say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of issues with Scott Frost, unfortunately. What's sad about the Scott Frost situation is we all had so much hope. We were all mm-hmm. so excited. And so it hurt even more because we were so amped up for it. I think if, if Matt Rule failed, we'd be frustrated, but it wouldn't be the same pain that we felt with Scott Frost. I guess that's the, the good thing for Matt Rule. He doesn't have mm-hmm. as much pressure as Frost did. You, uh, you, just, you had a great show on Monday night. And uh, Redcasters, if you haven't watched it yet, I don't know how. There are 17 or so thousand people I think they already have. And it was uh, just talking about the first day of, uh, of uh, spring practice. But also, you brought up the roundtable discussion that Coach Rule, Coach Frost, and Trev had. And, uh, you know, I almost I asked you this not only as a fan. You're a Husker fan, but you're also a producer, a video guy. You know, you have, you have history in media. How good is Trev in that role? ESPN background and everything. When he's sitting at a round table, I'm like, he needs to do this 50 times a year. He needs to do this with basketball coaches, with, with bring the soccer coach on, bring fans on, bring players on. I mean, he is so good in that role. And then coach rule is so good in the role that he was right there sitting next mm-hmm. to him. We had coach Osborne on this show a year ago and coach, you could just see him when he was talking with, with rule. This is, I mean, he's bought in even, I mean, he, he's like, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. So I guess as you saw that, what, what were your thoughts watching that for the first time? Well, it all ties into the professionalism and mm-hmm. how this program feels like a more legitimate program. It doesn't feel like it was ran the way it's been run the last few years. Yeah. There were a lot of question marks around the program. I think one thing that people love to say is, well, how did you not know Scott Frost was a mess? Why were you vouching for Scott Frost to stay the head coach? Well, in all honesty, we didn't see anything coming out of the program. We didn't get anywhere near as much access. We didn't hear anywhere near as much uh, bad or good about the coaches as we do now. It felt like a lot of the issues with Scott Frost got swept under the rug and the media didn't report on them or the media didn't know about them. You had Mm -hmm. the one leader, Trev Alberts, who a lot of us trusted. I know there are some people who have their comments and nonsense about Trev Alberts, but he has been solid since the day he got hired. Trev Alberts vouched for Scott Frost, obviously, by keeping him for another year. Anyway, after all that was said and done, we we looked at the, the last five years of the Scott Frost era and said, there was so much dysfunction and so much we didn't know about. It wasn't transparent. It was just a clusterfuck over at Nebraska. And now when we get all of this content and we see all the positivity, we hear all of these things from leadership, from Matt Rule, from Trev Alberts, Tom Osborne, and there are other media members and people who've come in now and given their takes. There's obviously a bunch of guys and talk, talking heads on the radio who are close to the program who said what they feel. 
it's it's a real program. It feels like a professional place. It doesn't feel like a high school program anymore. And so because mm-hmm. it's more professional, it gives all of us more confidence, especially myself. And it makes me more excited to create content for the future because I know that I'm not doing as much guessing. You know, I feel like there's there's actual truth to what these coaches are saying. It's not just hope. They're not mm-hmm. speculating. They know what their program is going to produce. They know what these players can do because they've seen it before. They have a process that works the last administration, the last staff didn't have a proven process, I think is the best way to, to break it down. And because they mm-hmm. didn't have that proven process, now when you look at it next to a process, that's, you know what it is, it's night and day different. So that roundtable was just another example of professionalism inside the Nebraska program. Absolutely. Well, we had a, a comment from Jamie earlier, and he talked about, as we were saying, what would we expect with Rule in year one? And he mentioned the one or two wins that he had, again, you know, with Temple in year one. And I think to your last point there about this is a coaching staff that's been through this before. Um, that's a it's apples and oranges when we're comparing year one in Nebraska versus what he went into at Baylor versus yeah. what he went into at Temple. It's not even we're not even in the same realm, but but it is that he's been through this before. And and when you've done something before and you've learned from it and you've, you've you know, people can sit there and question, why do you hire Bob Wager? Why do you hire a, a Texas high school coach? And that would mean a lot that maybe be a scarier thing for me if you haven't also hired Joey McGuire to be out of, you know, Texas high school. And now he's the head yeah. coach at, at Texas tech. You've done this before you've demonstrated the success. And uh, what I like about when Trev, you go back 18 months ago, when Trev kept frost around for another year, I mean, he was doing a lot of things. He's, he's observing, he's a grinder. He's going to be yeah. there at five o'clock in the morning. He's going to leave at eight o'clock at night. And if he's not seeing coaches around there at that time, that's a, that's a problem. He's going to walk the hallways. And if he is trying to raise $160 million for a new, for a new uh, cafeteria and, and the, he's seeing the current cafeteria not being full with, with players, that's yeah. a problem. And those are things that you, you know, he could have, he could have let go of frost earlier. He absolutely could have, but mm-hmm. he learned a lot, I think in that off season and it didn't take him long to pull the trigger last year, three games in the season. And then when he did, that press conference, he wasn't trying to bury Frost. He was just simply, these are the things I want to see moving forward, and I want to see a grinder, and I want to see us be physical on the lines of scrimmage and and win that part of the game. And and all these little things, then Rule gets hired, and he is literally saying the same things. Then they yep. introduce Satterfield, and Satterfield is ta- – everything just feels like it's an extension. So you kind of talked about the dysfunction of the last few years. This is the first time in a long time where I don't see that dysfunction from you know, all the way up and down the, up down the line. Well, these pieces fit together. I think that's the mm-hmm. best way to say it, right? You yeah. had the last staff and Scott Frost picked some guys at random uh, when he had to fill jobs. Like the Matt Lubick felt, you know, kind of out, out of nowhere. It wasn't like he was tied to anybody else on the staff. He was tied this, to a credit union. <laughs> he was, and he was tied to Scott Frost, but he wasn't tied yeah, to the other no, staff. You're right, you're right. Uh, whereas this staff has all worked together in some capacity. Most of them have worked together in some capacity. Mm-hmm. They've all worked with Rule before. So he understands their temperaments, their personalities, their strengths, their weaknesses, and how he can develop them into being a better coach. More importantly, how he can develop yeah. them into being a fit for his staff. Because you look at a guy like Donovan Rayola, there were a lot of questions. Why is he being retained? Well, I'll tell you the number one reason why. Because he fit with the staff. It wasn't just about him being a good mm-hmm. offensive line coach or having the right offensive line philosophy. He was a fit with the culture that they wanted to build because, as we've seen, one of the most important things in college football is building the right culture. I guarantee Kirby Smart has a staff that he's built up that's similar to this Matt Rule staff because yeah, I, when you want to build the right culture, you've got to have the coaches buy in before you have all of your players buy in. 
Yeah, I think that the Riolo one was was awesome. How when Rule was asked about it, you know, why did you why did you retain Riolo? And he's like, well, for one of the reasons, he wouldn't leave. We'd show up those first couple weeks. He just he just kept working, and I don't know. We kind of like that, right? I mean, and Satterfield said, you know, he was already going into it thinking I'm going to get somebody else. But you start to talk to Riolo, and oh my gosh, you know, you have these connections. And yeah. you said something too about coach rule that he's going to develop coaches just like he develops players. And he really seems like a manager of coaches. Like that's a, a passion of his, not a, not a passing like, Oh, it's part of the job I have to do, but I really want to be the offensive coordinator. I really want to do this fun part of it. No, I'm going to hand those jobs off to somebody else, but I'm going to develop these coaches. And I think the tree that he's already started to create demonstrates again, another example of, this is something he's done before, you know, and, elite and coaches have elite coaching trees. Yes. So you see Nick Saban and the coaches that he's putting out, Bill Belichick, yep. you look at all the coaches tied to him. Now what's going to happen with Matt rule. He's investing the same way that these other big time coaches are investing into their staff. And I would assume that the trajectory is going to continue to stay on trend. He's got Joey McGuire now at Texas tech. Who's his next coach. Is it Tony white? Cause I've heard that Tony white's a hot name to be a head yep. coach at some point. So is that the guy that he went and picked out because he knows Tony white's coachable, just like he talks about all of his players being coachable. I think these are all really important things to pay attention to. And I think they're all kind of the makeup of what makes Matt rule. I don't want to call him elite, but a really good head coach right now. Yeah. With the opportunity, the chance to get elite, um, Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Well, let's let's talk. We still got about 10 more minutes here because I don't, I don't want to take you over too much. But um, talk, part of getting elite is recruiting. This is a big week. Uh, yeah. There's a big weekend of recruiting. I want to show a photo first, and I think this will be a nice uh, oh, yeah. you know, lead in into it. Uh, tell us a little bit about this. This is obviously you and Dylan Riola. Is this at the, the championship game? Yeah, I was at the national championship with my dad. I was sitting in the mm -hmm. Georgia section and we walked away for a minute at halftime to go grab beers. And that's right in front of where I think it was Nick Saban, Dion, uh, whoever else was doing the game day show. There was a game day show right there. And there were a bunch of fans standing there watching it. And I saw Dayton and Dylan and then some girl all standing there talking to each other right away. I was like, okay, this is fate. I've got to go up and just get a picture with them and post it. I'm not going to ask them anything crazy or say anything. I'm just going to get a picture with them. So I walked up and said, Hey man, I was like, this is just the right place, right time. We got to take a picture together. He's like, okay, cool. And so we took a picture. Dayton took that picture. And then uh, about five minutes later, I'm walking around the stadium and I hear corn craze. And then <laughs> later after the game, more corn craze, took pictures with some guys who follow the channel. But yeah, that was a cool day. What is that like? I've had I've had it not probably to the extent that you have now, but um, I've had myself be recognized. I'm also recognized sometimes for being uh, the doppelganger here of Coach <laughs> Rule, which that's a nice. whole side note there. But what I mean, what does that feel like to be walking around? Someone says corn craze. Someone knows who you are. You know, at first it was very rare and it was uh, it was kind of odd. But now it happens pretty often. I told you I live in Hollywood and I've mm -hmm. had two or three people now at the grocery store target and best buy recognize me uh in florida all the time i see people texas uh where else was i 
I was in New Orleans at the airport right after Trey Palmer committed. I had, I had done a video where I talked about him once and we're walking through the airport and uh, I cross paths with him. He walks right up to me, says, what's up, which I thought was really interesting. He'd only been at Nebraska for about a month at that point. He had just gotten off a plane from Nebraska and landed in Louisiana. Anyway, there've been a lot of times I was on, mm-hmm. I was courtside at a, uh, at a Phoenix sun game in the playoffs and a guy walked around the court and came up to me to say, what's up. That was pretty cool. Anyway, there's just been so many random occurrences. It almost feels like a normal part of my life now. And it's really fun because my ultimate reason for creating Corn Craze, I said this back in the beginning, I really enjoyed having a community of people I could talk about Nebraska football with. People like me, not just the Mm -hmm. 70-year-old guy I'd see at the airport who saw me with a Nebraska hat, right? Guys who could have an engaging conversation. And now I have 17,000 of them plus more because every time I go to a Nebraska game, more people see me and want to take pictures. And then more people say, who's that guy? And I'm like, oh, it's corn crazy on YouTube. So yeah, I did a meetup outside of the stadium after the Wisconsin game. There was 50 something people out there just waiting. And we took a bunch of pictures and I'm going to do more meetups like that after games I go to and do some things. Cause I really like meeting all the people who watch my show because they love all of this as much as I do. Right. So, mm-hmm. Well, I know we're going to have uh, this is from a, a tweet from no block, no rock. And there's going to be a podcast awards here in August. First ever one for that. And that's going to be in La Vista. Um, are you planning to come out for it? I know you're going to be in it. So I didn't know if you were coming out for it or if they were going to do that virtual with you, but yeah, my plan, I didn't really know what it was. People started sending it to me and they said, Hey, you should do this. I didn't, I didn't really know. And after I messaged no block, no rock, they said that it was a thing for the fans where corn craze subscribers would be able to go to it. So I would go to it. I'll fly out. I'll make a, it's a mission to fly out. I got to fly from here to Vegas or Denver and then to Omaha and you know, it's a whole thing, but I'll go if there's going to be other people who watch the channel there, because I think it's really cool for me to meet people who watch the content and uh, Mm -hmm. I know they enjoy hanging out. So yeah, I'm definitely open to going. I I can just catch a flight whenever. So. Yeah. Well, and that was the, the initial feedback I heard of that was when Connor kind of said he was going, it's like, Oh man, we may have a, we may have some people coming to this thing now. We may have some of the fans and, and you're following there. So oh, that's, yeah, well, uh, if it's open to fans and I put it on the channel, I can promise you there'll be a few people who go. Yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out with, uh, from no block and rock. Those guys are kind of running that. So we'll see what they say. Uh, Mike Delaware right there. Heck yeah. Um, so anyways, we went back to Rayola here and this weekend, and we by the big... way, if you want to push, I've I got 15 more minutes. So we're good. Okay. Uh, Rayola. That's a good place to start with this weekend. This I'm not a big recruitment guy. I'm not somebody that gets you know too jumpy on on five stars and all this. I loved it when Coach I Osborne said uh, when Coach Osborne talked about you know I don't really care about the stars. So so I'm prefacing it with that. And so having said that, this is a pretty big weekend. I mean, like this is not just like even I have to sit here in, in my curmudgeon old way and go, this is a big deal. And this is a big deal also for Coach Rule in a very early time in his his coaching career to get something kind of started here at Nebraska. You know, it's proof of concept. It's proof that mm-hmm. he and this staff have what it takes to bring in big names. So although as a fan, you're going to get all these players to campus and we can forget about stars and whatever. Let's talk about what the media impact is. When all of these players start to commit to Nebraska or just take visits to Nebraska and have them in the top five or top 10, other fan bases, other coaches around the country start to look what Nebraska, why is Nebraska in the same conversation with Texas, USC, Ohio state, and Alabama? It starts Mm -hmm. to create that brand. And 
not create the brand because the brand is already created. It starts to rejuvenate that brand. It makes it there more vibrant again. The dull end becomes a little bit more bright. People start to look at it a little bit differently. And if you have enough wins like that, if you have enough Rayolas come into the fold, and you've got all these young high school guys or middle school guys right now who are looking at where are the top guys visiting? Oh, Nebraska. Okay. I didn't even think to check out Nebraska. They win three games a year. Who cares about them? Well, you're now establishing that we're not that same team that gets walked over. We're not Illinois anymore. We were Illinois for a long time, but that's not what we are anymore. So I think it's really important to get those star guys on social media, active posting, showing what Nebraska is and get a couple of those commitments because it'll pay dues down the road. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, I asked the question about realism and, and the optimist. And, and we had a respondent earlier talk about, hey, I'm a realist. There's nothing wrong with being a realist. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with being a realist. Yeah. The realist that is just show me, prove it, prove it I'm, until I see it. You know, I just need wins and losses. No, this is actually an example this weekend. Everything you just mentioned, that is an example. If somebody comes up to me right now and says, oh, I've heard it all before. I've seen this all before. Have you really? I mean, because you can point to this weekend. I mean, we've all seen the, the little printout here. Mm-hmm. All the guys are coming. Have you seen to that? to that realist, to the person that's just being a pessimist just for the sake of it, have you seen that? There are changes. And this is where the optimism, now I'm starting to get excited. And yeah, you know, this is this is something new. This is something different that we didn't see uh, for the last five years. And, uh, and so th- that is a tangible evidence that they're doing something right. Now they haven't closed on the players yet. I, I have a question for you on this. And maybe it's, maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm making something up here, but is there any chance you think that Dylan Rayola doesn't come here as a recruit, but more as a recruiter that, that in essence, um, that that decision is kind of made that he's coming here to get other players to want to, to jump on board. Or do you think there's very much a recruiting job that is needs to be finished with him? Oh, okay. I think a hundred percent, the job needs to be finished. I think okay. that Rayola, the whole idea that he's a secret commit is kind of far fetched to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's exciting to believe that Rayola is like one of us, that Rayola wants to be at Nebraska the same way that Garrett Nelson or Thomas Bedoni wanted to be at Nebraska. And mm-hmm. who else? Um, who, the lineman. Is it Knudsen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Scott's you've, got, yep. you've got guys like that who want to be at Nebraska and they're dialed in. I don't think Rayola is as dialed in as we are. He didn't grow up in Nebraska and he watched Nebraska kind of on the downhill. He never got to watch them because he was born in like what? Must have been 2005 or something. He never saw a really good Nebraska team. So mm-hmm. my guess is Rayola's still a work in progress trying to sway him. I still believe he's going to come to Nebraska after it's all said and done, but I don't think that he's locked in by any means. I do think that he's recruiting. He's a peer recruiter for the three schools he's most excited about. And I have to assume that's USC, Georgia, and Nebraska. And if mm-hmm. that's the case, and he's really peer recruiting, say four or five guys, wherever he goes, I think there's a good chance they land three out of five of those guys. So Rayola coming to Nebraska would be a big deal. Well, and you mentioned the the last time that we had, you know, an elite quarterback uh, that we were able to bring in. And, and I, I can imagine, you know, you can pick one or two uh, different guys from that, that era, but yeah, when you win titles, you know, you have elite quarterback play and whether that elite quarterback comes in the, in the form of a five-star quarterback or it's Stetson Bennett, who's a walk-on, doesn't really matter. By the time that they are winning titles for you, they're playing at an elite level. And we've had some quarterbacks here that have had high accolades, uh, you know, uh, four-star for Adrian Martinez, all that. 
but never really got to an elite level of play here. And, and these are guys that played for three, four seasons for us. Tommy Armstrong played three, four years. Taylor Martinez, not bad quarterbacks. But when you winning national championships, and then, this is back in my wheelhouse of remembering that and being in school when those are going on, when, when you're winning national championships, you have elite quarterback play. And, uh, and getting a guy like Dylan would be a great start. Um, I'm just curious because, you know, and I get the sense here with Dylan that there's so many reasons to go to USC, right? We've heard them all. There's so many reasons to go to, to Georgia. And the ones that don't make sense are, you know, why come to Nebraska? Well, you have a chance to create that legacy. You have a chance. But I really wonder if it's about wanting to make sure to see it yourself and to see that what what you're being told. But they want to come and see mm-hmm. it. They want to see this coaching staff in action. They want to see them running practices. They And so I guess nah, I'll go back to what you probably said. They probably still are in a – you got to – they got to see it. It's a waiting, waiting yeah, to see mode. They, but. they need some proof. If Nebraska wins three year, three games this year, does and Dylan's committed? Does Dylan stay committed? Yeah. That's a good question, right? And I think that if they can see that this staff isn't a three win type of team, they can say, okay, yeah. this is the the type of staff who leads a six win team minimum. Then they'll have a little bit more confidence, and that that's what would earn the trust. When you look at USC or Georgia, he's not the the end of the day recruit he's the end of the cycle recruit and then next year they're going to go after the next big name and the next year after that they're going to go after the next mm-hmm. big name and if there's an opportunity in the transfer portal you never know what's going to happen you get injured at usc you might never see your job again go ask uh, jt daniels yep. so it's tough when you're dealing with top rated qbs all the time as a QB, because you're fighting for your life. You're trying to get to the pros. And now you're not only focusing on being the best QB and doing all the right things to develop yourself. You're having to deal with three other guys around you who are fighting with almost as much talent as you have or more talent than you have, right? Come to Nebraska and you've got a clear path. You don't have to worry about any of that nonsense. You are the guy. I think you know, that's a big selling point for a guy like Rayola. The inner coach in me comes out too, is that if we get, you know, if, if he signs, there's still nothing guaranteed, right? You still got to go out. You still have to earn it. But if you come from a football family like he is, I don't think that he would take anything for granted. And speaking right. of that football family, having a, a direct inside source right now in his uncle who has experienced the last year of football here, and now he's experienced the transition. Talk about somebody that can just answer your questions on, hey, I can call you up at any time and just, uh, I want to know something. I, it's helping I a lot. The, I just get the sense that there's, uh, nah, well, I, I'm I, telling I, you, I'm 70 percent sold that he's coming to Nebraska, but I'm capping it at 70 percent right now. There are some people who are like, "There's no way it's happening," and all their BS, whatever. But mm. let's talk about the flip side. Okay. Dylan Rayola does not come to Nebraska because there's a chance he goes to Georgia or USC. How detrimental is it to this class, and how detrimental is it to the long term of the program? Well, it's going to be tough for this class because I don't think Nebraska. I, I don't want to say I don't think, but I think there's a good chance that a guy like Carter Nelson even wouldn't come. He might go SEC. He might follow Dylan. And then all of those other big names who are coming on this weekend visit because of Dylan, they're going somewhere else. So the class might not be as special as we had hoped for. But in regards of quarterback, the beautiful thing about the transfer portal is there's always a starting quarterback available. There's always a guy who didn't get developed the right way at his last school, i.e. Jeff Sims. There's always a guy who didn't get the right opportunity. Well, if Dylan Rayola goes to Georgia or the USC, there are going to be two or three other quarterbacks who have to leave who are all rated pretty highly. Nebraska now becomes a school that's a really good fit for a lot of guys because they have the right staff in place. So although it'd be really exciting, it would put Nebraska, I think, years ahead 
if they were able to get Dylan. It's not the end of the world. And my heart won't be as broken as I think other people's will. A lot of people are really invested into Dylan and I totally respect it, understand it. And I have the same wish, but I don't think it's as big of a deal because we've got the portal. But yeah, and, and I'll also say for a lot of those fans, if you're just beaten up because it doesn't, if it doesn't happen, these kids that are going to be here this weekend are not going to be the ones playing this fall. There's yeah. still going to be an entire season of football between now and then. And uh, to your point too, the way that this coaching staff interacts with people makes a difference. So when we don't go after Zane Flores from Gretna, quarterback that ends up going down to Oklahoma State, yep. and we can look at that and say, yeah, that was a tactical error of the of the previous uh, class. But what does what's one of the first things that this uh, staff does? They go to Gretna, they they make all the connections, and no, they're not going to flip the kid. No one expects that. But to your point, every year there are kids in the portal. Every year there there are guys that go somewhere it doesn't fit, and they go somewhere else. Yep. And they're you know you treat people right. Let's just set that as a standard. If if you're Trev and you're just saying this is what I want the culture, what does culture of a program mean? We're going to treat people right. You've heard that from players. Look at today, uh, Garrett Nelson at Pro Day, and he's and he's hanging out there with with Coach Rule, and he's, he has great words for Coach Rule. Um, when you treat people right, the players that have left the program, I know we're still at about 100, but the guys that have left the program, no one's leaving it with a, a bad taste in their mouth saying terrible things on the way out. That means something. And and so that shit show that we've had at times where things that if it could go wrong, it would go wrong. At least right now, we're seeing things being done the right way, the way that we would expect it to be done. I don't know. That makes me feel pretty good. And, and that's usually really a pretty good, good sign. Yeah, well, you look at some of the guys who left Nebraska in the past, and they did have some words to say about Nebraska, yep. or at least it felt like they had some words to say based on some of their tweets, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, things are things are just on the right trajectory. They're projecting to be a positive next coaching cycle, not a uh, not a negative one with that last with that last situation. So, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Last thing I, I want to ask you, and then we can we can head out of here. We've heard a lot the last few years, and this is a this is a little narrative that uh, Mac and I on this show we've started to kind of talk about is the little things versus the basics and the details. We'd lose yeah. a bunch of games by one score. I mean, historically, you know, we're the only we've lost by a large margin the most one score losses in the last two, three, four years nationally, and it would be the little things, right? But those little things would be punting it to the wrong side of the field against Michigan State, or you know, the penalties that we talked about, and all the. And it gets to the point where it's like, those aren't little things. Those are basics. Those are details of football. And the little things are the things that we're hearing that, you know, when this staff goes and, you know, takes cookies or, you know, gets cookies from a, a coach's wife and goes and says, thank you. I mean, those are the little things that, that do add up. Yeah. And I'm guess I, I'm kind of curious from your perspective, you know, when you hear, when you think of what the basics are of football and the details of football, and this is going to be a detailed oriented staff, what does that mean to you? What do you want to see out of a program that is detail oriented. Yeah, I think the, take away the football side and let's just talk about everything else that's around it because football is 12 games per year. That's 12 days out of the 365 days. Okay. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I could care less about what goes on those days because those days are just a culmination of what goes on the other 300 and whatever it is. So yep. you got 350 something days. Guys need to be on time. Guys need to be performing to their best ability in practice. Guys need to be lifting right, eating right, staying out of trouble. It's the details and the little things in the offseason that makes the team good during the season. So if you look at the other big programs, Alabama, Georgia, USC, their coaches are all professionals. They all run it like a pro program, kind of like what we're seeing with Matt Rule. So if we continue to see what Matt Rule's doing, 
like suspending Anthony Grant for, I think they said it was academics and, you know, he's not all the way bought and it doesn't sound like you still see him at practice right now or not at practice, mm-hmm. he's at pro day today. Yep. Guys like that all understand that Matt rule is running this program, like an NFL team, like a professional program. He's treating these guys all like they're student athletes, but he's treating them like young adults. And because they are adults, we're going to see, you know, USC, Alabama, Georgia type of results when we get to Saturdays in the fall. So I would say it's, it's making sure that you do everything the right way in the off season. And then when it comes to the game days, I'm sure Matt rule is going to have a perfectly fine scheme, perfectly fine plan, but because guys are in the best shape, they're in the best mental state and they know what it takes to win. We're going to see positive results. I can see why you have 17,000 followers, Connor. That's a, that's a great answer there. Thanks. All right. Well, this is uh, the parting shots and we always give the the final say to our, to our guest. Uh, but just in general, uh, it's, I want to thank you first, Connor. It's been great to have you on here. Yeah, uh, the fan forum, yeah, the fan forum's a lot of fun. I want to go around and talk to fans from all across the the, the country, uh, former players. I'll have Adam Carricker on in a couple of weeks, and just getting people's perspective. But you've had a great perspective here, Connor. Um, t- you know, take us out of here, and also tell everyone where they can find you: social media, YouTube, everything. Yeah, you can watch my YouTube. It's at Corn Crazed. If you haven't seen it before, we have fun over there. It's a community of Nebraska fans. It's not just me talking to you. It's me talking with you. It's where we can dive into topics that you want to hear about. And we're unfiltered, but we're also trying to have fun and like a good time, not just talking about the stats and all the BS that goes into the day to day. We like to just talk about speculation and what could be because we're a community that has hope. Most of us. So I'd say that's the best way to sum up what corn craze is in. And <laughs> you do check out one of the videos and drop a comment. I always respond and I try to communicate with everybody who watches and engages because obviously they're the reason that I'm able to do this uh, full time during the football season. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the Redcast, we call ourselves realism with an optimistic spin, but that's, that's what it, it gets back to. I love the community that you've created. It, it is something really special and Redcasters, we have Redcast nation, but I, I absolutely, I've just, I just want to say it again. I've been so impressed, Connor, with what you've created there. And and I feel like it takes a lot for me at this point to do it. I've seen so many different <laughs> shows and I've been around doing this long enough. Um, but it's a it's just absolutely great what you what you put together. I I've I've really enjoyed it. I appreciate it a ton. I I like I said, I did this for it's not about me. This is about Nebraska fans. For me, it's about being able to do this more often, right? I just want to be able to create all of this content because I have a good time doing it. But the reason Corn Craze exists is because I wanted there to be a place where we can all have fun and a good time. And I think that's what it's become. Well, I think you're becoming a master of your content. And I I appreciate you joining us tonight, Connor. And uh, until next time, just remember, Redcasters, you too can be the next one to join us on the forum. Heard at Sports Network Production.